following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Guys, um, there's a word that gets thrown around a lot in all different circles of life. And the word, the title is warrior. Warrior. Um, We hear about... Warriors on the gridiron, on the basketball court, on the volleyball court, whatever you call it. We hear the term thrown around athletically, and I'm not sure if it really fits there, but, but we, we hear that word used there. I've even heard this, believe it or not, that that, and it was a woman, okay, that that woman was a warrior when she went shopping. Okay. Now, I don't even know what that means, but I, I, I have told you before, I worked at Walmart many, many moons ago on Black Friday, and I will tell you, some of the women I saw that day, the term might fit, okay, warrior, all right? Now, perhaps we use that term a little bit too much, maybe, maybe just maybe, maybe we throw it into places where it should not be thrown, I don't know, but another place that that word gets used often is describing saints in their praying, a prayer warrior. Um, We've been talking this summer about becoming ordinary saints and, and what that looks like, the step to making that take place, and so far in this discussion, well, before we get to that, let's make this very, very clear, guys. Um, We've made this very clear every Sunday, and we're going to continue to make it clear until we're done with this sermon series. Spiritual disciplines have nothing to do with earning favor with God or earning our place in heaven. Our place in heaven was bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the only Savior. But spiritual disciplines have a lot to do with making us in this life look more like our Savior. He's not just our Savior, He's to be our Lord. And He called us to follow Him and look like Him. And that's what spiritual disciplines are about. That's what becoming ordinary saints is about. And at this point, we've talked about these things. We've talked about submission, that obedience matters to God. And that is a very important spiritual discipline. We talked about fasting. We talked about study. The study of God's creation and the study of his word. The importance of that. We talked about solitude. How sometimes, and that fits in a little bit to what we will talk about today. That Jesus himself went to be by himself at times. But when he went to be by himself, it was often combined with prayer. We talked about meditation. The importance of that. We've talked about confession and not confession of Jesus as as Lord and the continued confession we make of that after we make that initial confession of Jesus as our Lord. No, we're talking about confession of sin and the healing that that can bring and the importance of it. We talked about simplicity and then service was so important we spent two weeks on that. The importance of serving others. How Jesus himself, when his life was at its most chaotic point, he girded himself with a towel, got on his hands and knees, and washed the feet of his disciples. And today, we are going to talk about prayer. 
Folks, I am a firm believer in the fact that everybody in this world, everybody who has lived and who will live in the future, I don't care what they say, everybody prays. There are those who would say that they do not. I don't believe them. I believe everyone prays. Now, here's a question. You're known as a prayer. I hope so. What if somebody came to you and asked you how to pray? How would you go about instructing that person when it comes to praying? Have you ever been asked, teach me to pray? Well, fortunately for us, Jesus was asked by his disciples. Jesus knew a little something about prayer and his closest followers noticed. So they asked him, how do we pray? Before we get into that, there's something we need to understand, okay? Listen to this very closely. This, this comes right, and, and, and man, it's powerful, and it's true. It comes right from the words of, of Richard Foster, the author of Celebration of Discipline, and his son, who wrote Ordinary Saints, The Making of an Ordinary Saint, Nathan Foster. This is what Richard Foster said about prayer. He said, just like a child can never draw a bad picture. Now, I could challenge that when I was a child, all right? But it's true. In the eyes of mom and dad, just like a child can never draw a bad picture, so a child of God, a child of God, understand that. We'll talk about that here more momentarily. So a child of God can never utter a bad prayer. Prayer offered in humility cannot be bad. God accepts us just the way we are. He accepts our prayers just the way they are. But God does not leave us the way we are. Okay? All that in mind, let's turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke 11. And if the lights decide to go haywire on us, we will have this, these scriptures up on the screen. But if you want to open your Bibles, Luke is the third of the books of the New Testament. You're not sure where that's at? That's fine. Turn your table contents. It will tell you how to find it. Luke chapter 11. We're going to read the first 13 verses together, okay? That's what it says. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, notice he was praying, After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say. Got that? Say. Hang on that for a second. We'll come back to it. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who's indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me, the door has already been shut, my children and I are in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything." I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. 
So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, if you look closely to that beginning of that passage of Scripture, you will find what we have entitled the Lord's Prayer. And it looks like it's just a portion of the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus said this more than once. And a portion of what we call the Lord's Prayer was added to Jesus' words anyway. So we have this Lord's Prayer. And even though John 17 would probably be more worthy of that title, in John 17 you have Jesus praying for his disciples. And John 17 is not small. Some call it Jesus' high priestly prayer. But it's Jesus praying for his disciples before he would go to the cross. And his heart was hurting for them. And he poured out his heart before the Father. There's something that we need to understand about verses 2 through 4 of Luke 11. The Lord's Prayer. It's a template. It's not a verbatim prayer to be recited continually. Now, there's nothing wrong with reciting it. But there's something we have to understand, folks. Listen very closely. We have to be careful in any of our prayers that they do not become mere hollow words. Those prayers that are said without thinking. And I know there are those who would never do that with the Lord's Prayer, but there are those who will. And there are those of us who also say other prayers without thinking. You know, you know those prayers? Do, do you know what somebody who's asked to pray for a meal is going to say before they pray it? It's, it's, kind of like, it's kind of like this. It's the how you doing, I'm fine prayers. You understand? Because you get asked all the time on Sunday, how are you? You might get asked at Walmart, how are you? And without thinking, what do you say? I'm fine. Mainly because we believe the person who asks us how we're doing doesn't really want to know. But the other thing is because that's just what we say when somebody asks us how we're doing. We should never have the prayers that we just pray because we don't want to think about it. That in mind, I've got a question for you. Why do you pray? I'm assuming since we believe everyone prays, I'm assuming you're at church on a Sunday, so I'm assuming you pray. I pray. Why? Why do you pray? Is it just because we've been told to pray? Does it have everything to do with simply obedience? We have been told by our God to pray, so we pray. I have a feeling that sometimes your prayers, like mine, are more intense than others. Why is that? Why are some of our prayers more intense than others? I can tell you why. It's no mystery. It's because we want our prayer, our intense prayer, to be answered. 
Now let's get back to Jesus. In Luke chapter 11. I was listening to a sermon a number of moons ago, maybe not as many moons ago as I worked at Walmart, but a number of moons ago. And I listened to it again this week because it was all about prayer and it was very, very good. And to be honest with you, I'm just going to be completely honest with you, I needed some help this week with this sermon. I went to a sermon by Larry Osborne about prayer and about this passage of scripture and I like Larry Osborne not because he's just some great incredible speaker I've heard better speakers to be honest with you more entertaining ones but I like what he has to say because he's so practically practical minded and I took some of what he had to say and I adapted it a little bit but I do want to give him credit and if you're going to write some stuff down today I promise I will give you more time than I gave you two weeks ago all right I'm sorry young people I didn't give you a whole lot of time to write some stuff down. Today, you'll have some more. Leave these up for quite a while, Zach, okay? It'll be a little while before we have to move on. Four things to remember when wanting answers to prayer. When you go to God and you pray, are there times you want answers? Or you want your prayer answered? That's the case. Four things to remember. Number one, prayer is an action. Not merely an attitude. Look again. I told you, if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, do it. Alright? Do it. Verse 2 of Luke 11 says this. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say. Underline it. Circle it. Highlight it. Put a star by it. Do something there, okay? We think that in this life, we need to live with a constant attitude of prayer. There's nothing wrong with that thinking. There's nothing wrong with it. This is the only issue with it. It's much easier said than done. When we read in 1 Thessalonians about praying without ceasing, okay? Guys, we've talked about that before. And it's very, we can't misunderstand that passage. And I perhaps maybe in the past have led you the wrong direction with it unintentionally. Because if we think we are to pray continually without ceasing, sometimes we will, we will fail and then we will feel guilty because of that. But what Paul was most getting at when he said pray without ceasing is this. At heart, he means this, never give up on communicating with a loving father. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. Guys, no one has ever lived in more harmony in this world with God than his son Jesus Christ. And if there's anybody who lived in a constant attitude of communing and praying and conversation with his father, it was Jesus. Yet, what did Jesus still do? He went off by himself to pray. There is nothing wrong with trying to remain open to God all the time. Okay, nothing wrong with it. But remember, prayer is an action. Jesus says, when you pray, say. 
I mean, it really is. I mean, it's a relational thing. More about that here in just a second. And I think about Donna and the times that we are separated, whether I'm at work or she's at work or I'm here or she's there. When I need to get in touch with her, what do I do? Do I think? I pick up the phone and I call her. I take action. Praying, number one, is action. It's not merely attitude. Number two, I hope you got enough time with that one, all right? Number two, we have a lot to learn from the Lord's Prayer. A lot to learn from it. Number two is this, the template of the Lord's Prayer, understand this, it's this, God's agenda first, followed by my needs. That's the way Jesus teaches his followers to pray. Second part of verse 2 is all about God's agenda. First of all, Father, hallowed be your name. You are praiseworthy. Now this isn't just some sort of, of mental things we've got to jump through to make sure our prayers are answered. Okay, more about that in the next one. But first and foremost, when we pray, are we praying, God, your will be done, not only in this world, but in my life? How often is that a part of our prayers? You see, after that, in verse 3 and 4, we see what? Give us each day our daily bread. That doesn't mean we can't pray for other things like shelter and like needs that are taking place. That's just, as a whole, our physical needs. Yes, it's fine to go to God and say, God, take care of us in this life. And what is that followed with? With, with something else. Forgive us our sins, and he just had, Jesus just had to add this second part. Forgive us our sins because, because we forgive people who mess, up, who mess up in relation to us, don't we? Yeah. So, God, yeah, we do that. And then he follows that with this. Lead us not into temptation. These are spiritual needs. Now, don't misunderstand, guys. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, when you believe, when you confess, when you repent, when you are immersed, you are God's. You are forgiven. But folks, we talked about confession of sin just a few weeks ago. There is still a need for it because it brings healing. There's a spiritual need for us to confess and be forgiven by God. Don't misunderstand. You are forgiven. I know that's a strange thing to think about. But guys, I don't know about you, I still mess up and I still need to go to God with those things and say, I'm sorry. And there's something else to remember. God forgives us in the way that we forgive others. So, this template, we have God's agenda first, then we have our physical needs, and then we have our spiritual needs. Guys, there's, there's no reason, there's no need to beat around the bush when we have a need for God to fill for us, okay? God knows it before we even ask. And it's like, okay, I've got to do this other stuff before I tell him what I need, 
like like we're like we're like we're hiding it from him. And do you not believe God knows what you need before you ask? I'm just not saying it. Oh, 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 let's go to Matthew chapter 6 here. That's where Jesus also is talking a whole bunch about prayer. And we have, we have the Lord's Prayer in that as well. But before we get to that, in verses 7 and 8, what do we have? Matthew 6, 7 and 8. When you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles for do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So don't be like them. For what? Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay? So don't beat around the bush. God knows what you need. Ask him. Number three. Boy, this one is so important. God responds to relationship, not Technique. Not technique. Have you ever heard a prayer voice before? Let me describe it. It's like Barney Fife turns into James Earl Jones when he starts praying. You know what I mean? It's prayer voice. It's like, where did that come from? Oh, Lord, we come before you today. Prayer voice. What about prayer words? Do you think God is impressed by your vocabulary when you pray? Now, maybe people are, but do you think God is? Hint, he is not. When it comes to prayer, you know what gets God's attention? One word, dad. Or if you're from our household, it's daddy. That's what gets God's attention. Turn over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John, the gospel writer, he does it a little differently than the other gospel writers. Mark's a little bit different. John Mark's a little different too. Of course, he was getting his writing from Peter, what he wrote. Okay, John Mark. Um, I know that's confusing. Mark was John Mark. I know I shouldn't even have said that. Okay, Mark. And they just kind of, boom, just jump right in the middle of things, okay? So, so we have the gospel writer, John. He says, in the beginning was the word. That's where he starts, Okay. And if you turn to um, verse 12 of John chapter 1, and this is so incredibly important, okay, guys? But as many as received him, meaning Jesus, to them he gave the right to become, what? Children of God. even to those who believe in his name. Every person who's ever been born into this world was created in the image of who? God. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the way this whole thing began. When 
God, when the Holy Spirit, when the Son created Adam, they made him in their image. And every single human being ever made was made in the image of God. But not all are the children of God. There's a difference there. There is a difference. What does verse 11 say in John chapter 1? It says, He came to His own, and those who were His own did not receive Him. There's a difference between being made in the image of God. There's no choice in that. All are that way. But there are those who choose, who receive Christ, who choose to become the children of God. And when it comes to prayer, it's relationship, not technique, that matters. Folks, there are two hugely important questions. And I don't know if I got these down, Zach. If I didn't, you better listen, because I don't think I got these to him. When it comes to us having a relationship with God, two hugely important questions. First one is this, and it's very obvious and very true and very needed. Have I joined the family? Am I a part of the family of God? Have I believed in who Jesus is and said he was? Not just believe that there's a God. No, believed Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God. Do I believe that? Have have I confessed him as my Lord? Have I repented of my past? Repentance is very simple. It's stop doing wrong, start doing right. Have I repented? It might be the most important thing about receiving Jesus as Lord. And have I been baptized into Christ? Am I a part of the family? Have I joined the family? Man, that's important. And secondly... Just as important, am I living in obedience to what I know? Am I living in obedience to what I know? You know what First Peter chapter 3 says, men? JB's talked about this. He spoke about this, preached about this a number of times over the years. Men, you want your prayers to be heard? Husbands, you want your prayers to be heard by God? Treat your wife right so that your prayers will not be hindered. Okay, so wives are like, well, we're, we're, we're set. We're all out. We don't have to worry about it. It's the husbands. Oh, turn to Proverbs. Proverbs 28, ladies and gentlemen. Proverbs 28. Solomon was a pretty sharp fella. This is what he had to say about prayer. Proverbs 28, verse 9. It says, he, you can throw she in there too. He or she who turns his or her ear away from listening to the law, even their prayer is an abomination. 
James 5 tells us something else, kind of a little more of a positive note than a negative note in James 5, 16 to be specific, when it says the prayer of a righteous man, you can add woman there too, the prayer of a righteous man or woman accomplishes what? Much. You see, when it comes to prayer, God, it's not about technique. God responds to relationship. The relationship with his children. And finally, number four, guys, when it comes to having our prayers answered. Boy, this one's tough for us sometimes. When it comes to God's response, not yet doesn't necessarily mean no. It's interesting to me that when Jesus' disciples in Luke 11 ask, they ask Jesus to teach them to pray. He uses a small portion of what he tells them, talking about how to pray, what to pray. And then he uses the majority of what he says, talking about this, persistence. You pray it, and you pray it, and you pray it, and you pray it, and you pray, and you pray it. Few prayers are answered immediately. I know what many of you might be thinking out there, and if you're not thinking it now, you've thought it before. Because I've thought it myself. So I can ask the question to myself, as strange as that sounds. This is all great, preacher. But what about when God isn't listening? What about, preacher, when I pick up the phone, you're saying pick up the phone, I pick it up, and I dial, and all I get is voicemail. You know some of you with your cell phones don't even have your voicemail set up. Drives me crazy. And you're like, well, I'm not going to listen to it anyway, so why should I set it up? The voicemail of the person you are calling has not been set up. Please call again. You ever heard that? Andy Duncan, I don't think your voicemail is set up. Sorry, he's not listening. I'm just telling you. And there's a whole bunch of you others, too, that it's not set up. And then there's those of us who have it set up who never listen to it. Give me a text message. I never listen to that dumb voicemail stuff. That's so old school, you know. And then you're thinking, okay, is God hearing? Does God at least have caller ID to know that I've, 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 I've called? Does Jesus talk about that? Actually, yes. And that's where we just ended. Persistence. Jesus said, ask. But he didn't leave it with ask. He followed that with seek. And he didn't leave it with seek. He followed that with knock. He said, do it again and again and again and again. But more than that, 
Jesus showed us what to do when God doesn't answer or answer in the way that we like. Boy, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning, didn't we, Bill? Poor Bill, we have a tendency when he teaches Sunday school to jump ahead of the ball game. Dave knows the exact same thing because he's the other Sunday school teacher for that particular class. And it's like, like, just hold your horses, guys. We're not quite there yet. And we did it again today. When you've got three of the four gospel writers writing about something... Odds are it's pretty important. And you can read about it in Luke 22. You can read about it again in Matthew 26. You can read about it in Mark 14. And in those chapters, you'll be reading about Jesus being somewhere. And it wasn't a great place to be. It was called the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus went there to pray. And he took not his 12, because there's only 11 now. He took his 11 disciples with him. And he took three of them a little farther with him. And he said, pray with me. Don't fall into temptation. I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. But pray with me because I need you. And Jesus went a little farther. And he fell on his face. And he prayed to God. And he said, Dad. Daddy. Please don't make me do this. That's what he's talking about. Cross. Daddy, is there any other way? I heard a sermon so many years ago, and the title of the sermon was this, The Day Heaven Was Silent. Because the father did not answer the prayer of that son the way the son wanted him to. She said, Dad, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. If there's any other way. But just because God didn't answer that prayer with yes doesn't mean he wasn't there with his son. I would imagine that Jesus, that night in that garden, he felt so alone. He went to his three closest disciples again and again, and he found them sleeping. And the last time, he didn't even try to wake them up anymore. He just went back, fell on his face again, and prayed the exact same thing over again. Dad, if there's any other way. And I can't imagine how alone the weight, literally, of the world on his shoulders, and he felt alone. Have you ever felt that? When praying to dad. Listen to this. It's not in the lovely places faith is forged. It's in the lonely spaces.
Jesus wasn't alone. But I'm sure he felt alone. And he prayed. And he did not get the answer he wanted. And he ended all of those prayers the same way. Father, not my will. Be done. Yours. In all of this, our Father asks us to pray. And we pray looking for answers. We pray when we feel alone. We're not alone. But we might feel alone. And folks, I don't understand it. I'm not going to argue with it though. It's in those difficult moments when we pray to a dad who loves us more than we can ever understand. Who wants so desperately. I promise you there's times that our Father wants to answer in our prayers in accordance with our will, but it's just not going to be that way this time. And yet he still loves. And one day he will take us home to a place where our prayer and our communion with him will be constant. But until that day, he says, pray.